Just a few film nerds breaking out of a rut Drooling over cinema that's hard and uncut Stick us in your ear, thrill to this month's picks And come and listen in, we're Measuring Flicks Hello everyone, welcome to Measuring Flicks I'm Carl Hartley And I'm Max Peterson And we are at the end of July, halfway through August <laughs> Once you get yourself seated, you can go ahead and remove those, uh, pop those masks on off and get comfortable. Your serve will be right with you with the touch-free menu. You can just scan that little QR code there for me. You can pull the menu right up on your phone. You don't even worry about it. Oh, is that? If you, oh. do, happen, if you do happen to get up to use the resume, we do ask you to pop those masks back on for us. Um, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, your that. spiel's really close to my spiel. Here's mine. Hey, have you, uh, have you been in since the quarantine lifted and we reopened? No? All right, cool. Well, we have moved to touchless menus. You'll see a QR code right in front of you there. Have you opened QR codes before? Awesome. No, you don't even have to take a picture. You just point your camera at it. There you go. Click that link. Awesome. Thank you so much for wearing your masks. Um, well, now that you're seated, feel free to pop those off. If you do get up or move around, head back inside, go to the bathroom, including the patio because it's under our liquor license. We do ask that you just throw those back on. Yeah, thanks a bunch. Uh, we're doing flights instead of tastings right now. It's a pour of... <laughs> God, it's a pour yeah. of four. Uh, feel free to mix and match wines and ciders. The only thing I can't put on there are the Building 53 specials. Those are cocktails. Kind of hard to put into a uh, a carafe on a flight board. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of that, you know? <laughs> Come on, man. You're in the service industry. You know the little fake chuckle. Oh, yes. You've done it once or a hundred times. <laughs> hey, the, the great thing about having a mask on now is you only have to make your eyes smile. Mm. <laughs> it's a delightful challenge as an actor, actually. Oh, um, man. It's it's fun. But this is the last time that we have to put on our masks this month yes. for this particular for this particular show. Carl and I will continue to wear masks in public always like because we are human beings. intelligent, responsible human beings. Actually, the other day, dude, I had on one of those cloth ones and it was black, right? And I was thinking, I'm like, you know what? Fucking, this is only like a hop, skip, and a jump for me dressing like a shinobi every day. I was thinking that about like I'm gonna be Wild West. I'm gonna be like I just got off the dusty plains and like <laughs> pour me a cup of your best Joe there, <laughs> eating beans and farting. <laughs> cup of your best Joe. It's like like a handful of dirt and three yep. coffee beans put yep. into an old tin pot, and then yep. you, they pull the scorpion out after it's been boiled, or they twin peaks it. And oh, I made coffee, but there was a fish in the kettle. <laughs> Sorry, I've been yes. rewatching Twin Peaks. Episode two, they make coffee, but there's a fish in the kettle, and it oh, fucking yeah. wrecks the coffee. Um, so we are we're wrapping up the month. Uh, our theme for July has been until I put on the mask. We did it because it's fucking COVID year, and everyone's being weird about masks. So we thought we'd do a little tongue in cheek four episode bit about movies that have to do with masks. As a joke, and fucking oh my god, some of these movies ended up being like. Righteously good, so we did Dark Diamond in the Rough. Dude, Dark is that okay? Okay, let's let's just dive into this one. People know that those other movies are pretty good. The Mask is what it is. Um, so today we're talking about 1998's The Man in the Iron Mask. I legit picked this one because I used to see trailers for it as a kid all the time. It looked kind of saucy and spicy. I love Alexandre Dumas. Um, the first one of the first like grown-up books i ever read was the count of monte cristo all like 1600 fucking pages of it um and i saw it has a pretty great cast so i was like you know this is one of those like blip 90s movies middling ratings let's give this a watch so it's directed by randall wallace listen to this cast 
You ready for this, Carl? It's the 90s cast. 98, baby. Dude, Here we this go. This is like 98 prime time. Listen to this fucking cast. Leonardo DiCaprio, Jeremy Irons, John Malkovich, Gabriel Byrne, Gerard Depardieu, and then you've got Anne Peri- uh, Period, 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 er, Anne Period, Judith, oh God, this is a bad one, Godresh. There we go. Dude, I'm I'm actually getting better at doing like Asian cast names than I am with like these like kind of like vaguely German. How the fuck? Yeah, they're rough. Judith Godresh, Peter Sarsgaard, not Skarsgaard, Peter Sarsgaard, and Hugh Laurie pops up for a second. A delightful. Yeah, House is in this until he gets executed. <laughs> which I fucking love, dude. He's he's like the best five minutes of the worst part of this movie. <laughs> which is the first two thirds of this movie. I'm gonna say the first half, but I'm with you on honestly. Okay, so Carl, we need to talk. About the man in the iron mask. Yeah, I think that we should probably do an episode on it. Let's let's do that. What we got? Uh, oh yeah, I am recording this. Perfect. Oh fuck yeah, man! Okay, this is all on record. Okay, good, dude. Talk to me, Goose. Tell me your experience because I had I went on a fucking journey with this. Book. So this is the thing. So you sent me a text last night. I think it's like about eleven o'clock or so, mm-hmm. and you're like. <clears throat> Dude, actually, I think I have it right here. I was going to pull it up, too. You got it? I would like to just read the text message that I got from you and then the the follow-up text message. I'm going to read the timestamps here, too. I think that that's real important. Yes. So yesterday, 11.05 p.m. from Max Peterson. I'm watching Man in the Iron Mask right now. Stop. I'm going to say stop where you had sent. New text. Telegram. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm watching Man in the Iron Mask right now. Stop. These cats are phoning this shit all the way in. Stop. <laughs> Calling collect. <laughs> that, that emoji cry face. <laughs> cry face. Like where I'm, am I crying or am I cry laughing? Or You're like am cry I... laughing like holy shit. Yeah. So watching me in the Iron Mask right now, these cats are phoning this shit all the way in. Calling collect. And Calling... I said, oh. Calling collect. Like, you're not even for there's call and collect, Dude, right? I get that it. is how they're phoning. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I still so then, stand by those texts. So yeah. I re- I respond to you, oh, fuck, LOL, and I get to look forward to that first thing in the morning with my Java and Spin because I hadn't watched it yet. And then and <laughs> so you texted me back again at 11.59, and you said, I know it's late, but dams, I may have been wrong. Enjoy, my friend. I'm like, all right. Okay, so there was a bit of a turning point, Midnight. and something happened in 45 minutes, and either, either Maxwell got high, <laughs> and it became better than it is, or there's like a, it's like, it's, you you watch Shut Up and Sit Down, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like, or there was like a mid-review turnaround. Right. Like, hey, there's a mid-review turnaround. Or the movie did like a mid-review turnaround where suddenly it becomes better for some weird reason. Yeah, like, yeah, why yeah. Why suddenly... Did they get an acting coach like halfway through? But I think, in my personal opinion, having watched it this morning, yes. Were you were you um <clears throat> were you smoking a little were you smoking a little grassy grass last night? I uh well, yeah um yeah yeah I'm gonna go ahead and say yeah yep I okay. definitely here's here's how I did Cause, this. Well, cause sometimes sometimes Maxi Poo when you start a movie a certain way and you feel a certain way and then the weed kicks in you feel another different sort of way. All right, let me. <laughs> I understand. It's like that thing in With Mill and I where he's like. You've you have put dr- a drug a chemical into your body and effects <laughs> yeah. are happening. What? Exactly. Yeah, I, I I'm aware I'm aware of this. I just want to tell it, but like 
I will tell you, I went on a journey because you you asked, did I did I start smoking at the point where I texted you like, hey, this is getting better. I had I'd smoked a little bit before I started this movie, and I was watching I it. This was yeah. So I watched this movie for about an hour, ten minutes. Um, Bird kind of a couple days ago, Bird rolled her ankle pretty bad, so she's been laid up. So she watched the first chunk of this with me, but she's also been trying to go to bed earlier. So about halfway through the movie. Bird's like, I'm going to go to bed. I was like, oh, cool. Well, I'll get up. I'll get a glass of water, make some some popcorn or something. And then she's upstairs to sleep. I'm like, you know, I know I have like an hour and 20. This is a long fucking movie. Two Two hours, 12, I think. Yeah, there's a lot going on. I'm like, I'm going to be down here for a while longer. I'm going to be up to like one or something. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to make, here's what I'll do. I'll make a cup of tea. And I'll I'll smoke a little bit more off of that J that I because I I just threw it in my Roach Motel my little glass jar so I snagged it and I went back out and I smoked some more and I came back sat down hit play and this movie changed a little for me now I will say this I I don't think like the the acting problems that I noticed in the first bit continue. Like oh yeah, they're they're persistent throughout. Yeah, persistent yeah. and consistent. I will say like there this. Like John Malkovich, by the end of this movie, looks like he wants to get the fuck out of this movie. He's he, done. He's the most he's, egregious, right? John Malkovich is the worst part of this. It's so bad. It's it almost makes me angry how bad it is. I'm, I'm like, dude, if you didn't want to be in this movie, then just don't be in the movie. I get it's a paycheck, but you are like not doing any kind of business at all right now. Uh, he's not doing any kind of anything at all. Yeah, he like there's bits where he you can tell that there were beats written in, there's inflection, there's like there's commas and he just burns lines like he's a teleprompter. Just you know like yep. I and when I was younger I had a son and the son looked a lot like you. I we all have thought of this at some time or another. It's dude, he's like flat line delivery the whole fucking way through. You there's, mustn't ask me. You mustn't ask me about my son. <laughs> oh my, yeah, Bird and I both did the like the crying moment where you like put your hands over your eyes because you actually couldn't go there as an actor because you you really just yeah. But that's so, consistent throughout is poor performance from him. I have to chuck this out here because I'm I'm genuinely curious. I don't I look I don't want to shit on anybody. Acting's tough. <laughs> I don't really want to shit on anybody either. Which is fine. Like that's the, but that's the beautiful part of this show. Like, dude, sometimes you hit a stinker, and I will. Here's what I'm gonna say about this movie. I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy this movie. I, I'm i going to also say I like this movie. I know it's long. I know there's a lot of acting problems with it. I And also, because this is just going to keep coming up in this conversation, I'll say it right now. Most of what I love about this movie are the ideas, the plot, the characters as they're written. I think what I really like is Alexander Demoss's book. <laughs> yep. And... All of the cool shit that I'm seeing on screen is really just me liking those ideas. Cause no, that's absolutely what this is. I'm liking this movie. The parts that I like of this movie yeah. are the parts from the book that I enjoy. Right, right, They're right. They're parts of – they remind me of other Three Musketeers movies and movies like it that I enjoy more. And when those moments that I am familiar with because of other things happen, I become less painfully um, attached to this movie for the period of time that I'm forced to watch it. I think <laughs> it's one of the worst movies I've ever seen. It's be- look, I'm I'm with period. you. Period. I'm with you too. One of the worst. I Here's what I think, Carl. You, one star. <laughs> you know how you're going to watch The Mask later? Mm-hmm. I think yes. that at some point in your life, maybe as a background thing, maybe if you're just like, "You know what? Max said this crazy thing once and I'm curious to see if it's true." 
I think you should replicate that experiment with this flick. And because you've seen it already, feel free to skip the first hour or first 45 minutes and give it a minute. I almost have to because there was a moment in my notes where I'm like, if I wasn't watching this movie for the show, I would have turned it off. (laughs) I had I had my controller in my hand. I'm like, I'm done. I can't. I'm like, oh, dude, wait. No, you have to. Danielle's getting ready for for work, and I'm like, honey, is it possible for me to fake having seen a full movie and only watch half of it? She's like, no, I don't think. What are you talking about? I'm getting ready. I'm late for work. I'm like, never mind. I'm just going to keep we watching this piece of shit. <laughs> I'll be, I will be real with, with you and the listeners. I, I, in a weird, masochistic kind of way, we have watched garbage for this oh, yeah. show. And you know what, dude? I actually... I've never regretted it. Like every time. Oh, I have no regrets about watching this every movie because time... it, it eventually it ended, and oh. I don't ever have to watch it again. God damn. Okay. All right. I'm actually. I won't even try and turn you around because I'm fully aware that part of what made this, this... bus is parked. Man, that's fine. I'm totally cool with it. We can. <laughs> I, we can just talk our way through it. Um, I let's let's figure out this. Let's see if we have common ground because I actually do. Sure, absolutely. I actually do genuinely believe that Jeremy Irons does pretty good work in this. Jeremy Irons and Gabriel, Gabriel Byrne, Byrne are both pretty consistent. Okay. I don't know what the fuck Gerard Depardieu is trying to do he's in this movie. He's hammered the whole time. He's got to be. I think he's actually drunk and doesn't know what part he's supposed to be playing. <laughs> like if he's playing an actor playing Porthos or if he's actually playing Porthos or oh my God, like what dude. the tone of the movie his is. Fucking, his Porthos. And look, here's here's another thing. I will say that like I, Gerard Depardieu is not doing good work in this, but – I was high, and he's a clown, and I thought he was funny as fuck as Porthos. Where's Porthos going? Uh, what's happening with Porthos? Oh, he's naked. He's going into the, into the barn. Why? Oh, probably to hang to, himself. To he's hang himself, I presume. Days. He's been talking about it for days. Yeah, man. Like There's some moments. Seriously. And you know who that is? Is that's those, those people we're talking about, those three people, all the good lines are Jeremy Irons and fucking Gabriel Byrne. Yeah. Like, that's Consist- why... That's why that bit is funny, is it's Jeremy Irons. Okay, the moment that I realized that he's the German terrorist from Die Hard 3. <laughs> when, Simon says? Yeah, he pops up, and I'm like, <gasps> I, can't, I just kept waiting for him to be like, you know, <laughs> Aramis. Said Simon to the pieman as he was heading through the path. <laughs> Aramis says, right hand, red. I need but, you to put five gallons of wine into a two-gallon vessel using a flute and then gerard depardieu just comes and drinks the everything in all of the buckets yep <laughs> okay now it hurts when i shit it hurts when i piss i'm gonna kill myself <laughs> <laughs> come on all right for real though carl you tell me i know he's i know the acting's bad but there's something also funny just watching like a grown man be a clown <laughs> be a fuck yeah no, like a blonde and the bit where he get he climbs up out of the hay and we do the slow reveal on the number of women he's in the hay with i thought that was pretty funny Give me, give me at least this. You don't have to, obviously, but give me at least this. This movie has moments where it is, where it's fun. Moments mm-hmm. where there are definitely can. I, I think I know you well enough that there are definitely moments in this movie that, against your better judgment, move you. There's, yep. de- oh yeah, there's uh, emotional the whole, shit. The whole final sequence. Once they, once they um are in the escape, essentially. Once they have gotten Philippe. And they're trying to escape the palace, dude. I'm not. All even, that shit is. I'm not even kidding you. The the what, what valor? 
I was trying to tell Bird this this morning. Oh, I, that, that got me. Okay. And they all close their eyes and look away when they shoot. No, I will give this movie that. I actually have it written down. It's like, save for a few moments like the Musketeers having their last stand and earning the respect that they already have. Fucking A. From the other Musketeers that won't even shoot them. Mm-hmm. They're like, we are, you are gods to us. We are... Those four men are the reason these men became musketeers in the first place. This this movie made me. I told I told you earlier, and we. I knew I knew that this wasn't gonna like a hundred percent land. But like this this movie, I watching this cried. Not just like I got a little teary. Like cried with tears on my cheeks three times. All three of them were in the last third. Yep. Like this. I think that if if I were to pluck the last third of this film, I this this is a this if they could somehow made the first two thirds, the first two hours of this movie are garbage. The last twelve are incredible. The, yeah, I, I the two first two hours, last twelve minutes. I I think it's a little more. I think it's okay. Me personally, I wind the clock back a little bit. I think we're in the same wheelhouse. The same parts yeah. of the film start to hit for us. Um, it's not just. The slow stuff. I, the I came up with a metaphor for. Oh Anytime wait, time they're buckling swashes, I'm in it. Really quick before, I, actually, that's an interesting point. I want to come back to the buckling of swashes and the opulence of the sets and the costumes. But, but before we get there, I want to. We talked a little bit about acting. We're in agreement of who sucks and who's good. Sure. Um, Jeremy Irons is good. John Malkovich is. This is the worst I've ever seen him. And to be, but to be totally honest, and we'll. I want to do this next, but let's talk about John Malkovich in just a moment. But this is the worst I've ever seen him. I think Gabriel Byrne is actually doing some really amazing yep. stuff in this movie. He's doing good. He's punching his. He's punching his time card. <laughs> he's, he he's coming to it the way that Gabriel Byrne always comes to it. Gabriel yep. Byrne is okay in Cool's Cool World. Like this man does not ever not try, which I love. Now, there is one actor we haven't mentioned yet, and I want to talk a little bit about Leonardo DiCaprio. Just a touch, okay? We And we actually know we're doing an episode. We should talk about Leonardo DiCaprio. Let's do this. I think that Leonardo DiCaprio in this movie, I think you can see everything that's coming. You can see all of the complaints about yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio. Out of my fucking head, man. But right, you because you can see you can see the bits where he's going to be lauded. Well, I can't read it because it's fully blurred out. Read me your note. Read it. Uh, I can see every role that Leonardo DiCaprio is going to play in the future, even fucking um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I haven't actually seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but up up through the movies that I have seen, Django Unchained, I think, is the most recent Leo that I've seen. But dude. I think that honestly, Leonardo DiCaprio does. I'll re- my note says Leo does some stout work in here, though. His use of bearing and body language and facial expression, his quick trigger for rage. He's like Gary Oldman in that. Yeah. He I, he does very believable anger, and he has access to it very quickly. And he's still super green too. Like there's still some of it that I don't like. I'm like, oh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I, you my note is you can see how great he'll become here. Yeah. Yep, I, yep. I I honestly think that for me as a film fan, as somebody who likes to watch actors as they develop and stuff, I I get where I get you. Here's me. I think that just seeing Leonardo DiCaprio this young, gr- growing those little stems that are going to become the traits that make him a great actor. He he's great. I think that's worth the ticket this, price. I think Leonardo DiCaprio 
is the only like the only actor in my experience of watching movies that I have made such a transition in how I appreciate the work that they do going from if he's even in the movie if he was considered for the role and isn't actually in the movie I won't watch it because I just dislike him and and his lack of chops I think Titanic he's horrible whatever so sure sure and like he can't don't give the man Shakespeare to do but over the course of his career I've I've tipped fully the other way where he's one of my favorite people to watch on screen. Ditto. Period. Ditto. Just one of my favorite. If is Leonardo DiCaprio in it? I will watch it if he's playing all the parts. Absolutely. Like, right? Dude, I'm with you. Um, I, I look. Titanic is what Titanic is. Maybe someday right. we'll cover it. I'd actually rather not. <laughs> Just, I'd rather not. I mean, it's everyone's seen it. Everyone's... One of my favorite directors and one of my favorite character actors are attached to that movie, and, and I can't fucking stand it. I know. Yeah, I'm. I'm the same way. But like. Early, early Leo, I'm with you. Like, you can see when he's young, he's green, he's trying stuff out. Green is a great word for it. Because I think, yeah. especially in the first There's hour... There's a reason why he keeps getting cast and shit. Damn straight, dude. Because he's he's flat in the beginning. He's kind of wooden. I'm not sure I fully believe his, his bad king character. But yeah, then me. sometimes in the bad king, you get a flash of the plantation owner in Django. Or you get I a, got plantation owner a couple of times. I'm like, oh, oh. You, he, yeah. he really genuinely is ex- insanely talented. And in this movie, as Philippe, dude, I'm not even shitting you. The first time I cried was still in the, like, quote-unquote boring chunk of the movie. But when they first bust the mask off his face, when they take that mask off him, everything that happens for the next 10 minutes of this movie, I'm in because Leo has sold me on what... He, I think, I think that Leonardo DiCaprio, as a young, young man in this movie, twenty five. He's twenty two, twenty three. He's young. He's yeah, early. He's. I th- yeah, the character's like twenty two, but he's he's definitely like way young twenties. The, you can see in his performance the the, the intellectual and and empathetic lengths that he went to to understand what it would be like to be in an iron mask for six years because I fully believe everything he does when they take that mask off and like oh my god it hurts him i wasn't it hurts me i wasn't expecting this because the movie up to this point sucks and then they pull the mask off leo and i'm i feel for this character and this person all right we're back in this movie yeah he's not great he's not amazing except when he is so this is that thing you get to see a young actor Doing the stuff that's gonna make them a legend, and truly, you can. There's some really amazing stuff in here, man. Um, I think it's Philippe is the stronger of the two. I agree for sure. For like character in general, yep. The only exception to that, I, I agree, like pretty much across the board. The only exception to that is when he confronts Philippe, and we get that cool shot of him walking around inspecting his twin. That was cool. Yeah. By the way, like. Dude, on camera for for a composite shot, that's pretty clean. Because he's casting shadow around himself as well. And so there was there was a lot of really nerdy like technical things yeah. going on in that and the shot. Si- that the I was sight like, lines are great. Like yeah, he believe sight lines. Why like hawking him? Like, oh, so great. Yeah, like, I was okay. That was impressive. Like, but let's talk about let's jump to because I'm with you when they're sword fighting. I'm in when we're watching a ball in a wide some, shot. This is some of the best like. Some of the best. This is not Errol Flynn level, 
but no, but yeah, it's like that. Yeah, yeah. I I like watching um that Portho kind of like you know Gerard Depardieu kind of stumping along as best he can, but watching him jump into a moving boat, I I it's that thing I, we always talk about. I like my heroes a little older. I like them where they're like, oh my back. Well, as soon as we were like, oh these are the old Musketeers. These aren't the. This isn't the Three Musketeers Disney movie. These guys are in. Late forties, pushing fifty if they're a day, right? And they've already done their thing. They've hung up their swords and hid their, hid their cloaks. And this is their essentially their one last ride, right? Like, yeah. except for D'Artagnan, the other three have gone on to do their own thing now. Right. They right. are no longer part of the King's Guard. This is, yeah, and that's what got me in the feels. Like, I mean, shit, you know, when they put on, when they put on the old black uniforms. Well, I mean, holy shit! When uh, it's it's when Aramis takes him out and he goes, "Our old uniforms from our basically it's like from our glory days when we were young and we when we forged the legends that people still whisper to each other in the darkness." I set these aside so that we could be consigned to the ground in these uniforms. And he pauses and then he looks up at these old men who are his friends and he throws them the uniforms and he goes, "And so we shall." So we shall. Fuck. Fuck. I know, man. Like, <laughs> no, I'll give this movie that. Absolutely will. Um, I just wish it was in a better movie. <laughs> yeah, there's there's some stuff in here that I like. Um, honestly, this I feel like this episode will be easy to glaze and gloss because because a lot of it is just spice. A lot of it is yeah. just salt. You know and what I, I mean? I feel like, and I kept coming back to this thought as I was watching it, you fell in a lot of movies of this, like from 95 to like the early 2000s, that late 90s, unless you, because, well, even shit like Demolition Man and like the big action movies, they all right. sort of fell prey to this like too much spice but not enough meat. structure or something. And there's not enough meat. Yeah. so Not enough like gristle. It's that, just a little bit too movie makey for the, me. The analogy that I came up with, actually in a weird way, this film reminded me of a Sofia Coppola film. Um I had that feeling a couple of times. Now I I, I mean this in both a good and a bad way. You know what I mean? Shot beautifully but boring as hell. It wasn't even the it wasn't even the boring thing. It was the thin you how we were talking about like not enough meat, not enough plot. Yeah it, the, the, it's kind of thin. So, like, the, the analogy that I came up with, probably because I'm watching a movie about this time period, about rotten food. By the way, watching um, watching Gabriel Byrne take a bite out of a rotten tomato, spit it out, and go, you're right. This is rotten. I promise to die. That, the D'Artagnan character is so fucking complex. Yes. Just like the Aramis character is so multifaceted and complicated. Just... But again, that's probably Alexandre Dumas and less this Well, I was going to say that the, those all of the Musketeers are so well written. It's like people forget that before we were all getting on the phone app and determining what house we're in. I'm a Slytherin. I'm a Gryffindor. People were like, so which Musketeer are you? Yeah. Yeah, dude. It's the OG Harry Potter houses. It's the OG Harry totally. Potter. Yeah. It's like, oh, I'm, more, I'm definitely a Porthos. You got I'm a Huffle. I'm a Huffle Porthos. Or yeah, I'm, a <laughs> I'm wearing my Huffle Porthos shirt right now. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, like um, I'm an Arterin. An Arterin. <laughs> I was trying to figure out how you mix together Aramis and and uh, Slytherin, and then you got D'Artagnan, who's clearly a Gryffindor. Oh, he is definitely flying those Gryffindor wings, I'm not baby. Sure, though, is is 
is Athos a is he, I think Athos is a Slytherin. He's, he's the Slytherin, and Aramis it's, is more like a Ravenclaw. Yeah. You yeah, think? I think so. Or or the other way or around, or vice versa. Yeah, because because Jeremy Jeremy Irons is Aramis, right? He's the he he's does the some priest. evil shit. Yeah, he's the one that kind of puts all this shit into motion. Yeah. and has all the the fingers in all the pots. I but think he's, he's the Slytherin. Yeah, but he is pretty bummed about it, and yeah, that I don't know, man. Anyway, um, but yeah, you're right. Like these are per these are like big sort of uh uh. uh well, they even say it in the movie. John Malkovich spells it out. You are, Porthos, you are all about life and the lust for life and getting all that you can out of it. And <laughs> right, right. Artemis, you are the one that is about the holy thing. They walk I'm... through their character types, oh, yeah. They're, uh, they're, <laughs> they're talking about what their stat roles predispose them to in a campaign. Pretty much. I am chaotic neutral. Uh, yeah, I? yeah. Let's, uh, let's all figure out what our alignments are in this like weird cavernous... <laughs> catacomb thing. A tall, a tall night elf uh, archer stands before you. He is wearing his <laughs> <laughs> Two kings stand before you, identical in every feature. There's a cold glint in one's eye, and the other looks slightly timid and unsure. Which do you save? <laughs> roll, roll dexterity. Roll for yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, there's there are moments in this throughout that are good. We can gloss the first two thirds. I'm cool with that. Absolutely. I mean, it's slow. The I'm trying to figure if there's bad. things to, to pull out. I think of there it. is. Do you want to talk about the big? Let's talk about the big thing now, in case the internet tanks again. Let's sure. let's talk about simply. Let's take a step out of this movie and just think about human history and think about human beings. I had a Halloween moment with this movie a little bit, and it was simply the Iron Mask. I did too. Ooh. Dude, like, did you? You did it, right? You yeah, you sat there and you you took a step back and looked at it objectively and thought about what that experience would actually Six be. Years when he takes the mask off and his hair, you can't even move a hair out of your eye. No, you can't. That hair is now in your eye for the rest of your life. Well, the, you try and get in, but it's there's the ones that are crossed across his nose and go down his cheek and around his mouth, and you realize that as his hair has grown. What he's done is he's just reached in with a finger and pushed it, pushed it out, out of, the, of the hole. That's all. He's just, he's only able to clear it from the hole. He can't direct where it is. His hair. Dude, think about this for just a fucking second. His the 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 first of all, the scratch his face running his head against the the bars to make vibrations so he can scratch his face like that's fucking crazy. The, man. the scene of him just banging his head back and forth on the bars almost horrified me too much to continue watching yes yeah, of, of course part of that is the weed with uh, that kind of adds stakes to, to sure. stuff you know oh, but sure. but dude like that was so existentially horrifying the the concept of that level of cruelty and actually one of the interesting things about this movie is it's bait that the I, the seed of the idea came from a historical record of they, they actually quoted at the beginning of the movie uh it's a prisoner roster and they say prisoner, blah, 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 the man in the iron mask. Six four three nine zero zero zero. This was done to a human yep. on this planet. They put an iron mask on a dude, and that's how he lived the rest of his fucking life. Because, no, he wasn't rescued by four fictional characters. He sure probably wasn't. just rotted in a cell for years with a mask on his face. Think about this, dude. Died slowly giving way to madness. I mean, like... I was, I was trying to... Because I... 
I like to approach these movies seriously, even bad ones. I like to, you got to take art. You have to look at art. You have to. You have to look at it truly because otherwise that you're not really respecting it. And what's the point of talking about something that you're just going to disrespect? So I tried to approach this all the way. Imagine the feeling of claustrophobia. You know when you have people complain now. This is a perfect movie for now. People complain now about a bit of cloth on their face for 20 minutes while they grocery shop. I can't breathe. I feel so claustrophobic. I can't even <laughs> shut the fuck shut up, up. pussy. This Sorry. No, dude. I'm with you. Like imagine the feeling of something touching every part of your head for 6 years without rest. That feeling thing- of confinement. Imagine how how the abrasions on your face would hurt. And then imagine how they would start to feel wet and gooey as they were unable to properly heal and you developed sores under your mask and your unwashed hair. That's actually what an issue that I have with the the he is very He's pretty. He's awful for fucking having, pretty. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Um He would have been not so pretty, but I, I get it. You also don't want to make your audience puke. Correct him because one of the things that, that I didn't consider until they were putting the mask back on him was how much that fucker would have weighed i mean just because he's walking around with it 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 seems like it's it's an iron mask that's not like it's not like putting a football helmet on right it's like yeah pick up pick up a piece of iron next next time you pick up a hammer just think of that only 10 of those and they're on your face i say eight to ten pounds like minimum yeah for this mask i think it's probably about a 10 pound mask yeah like it I know that, look, it's a movie and Leonardo DiCaprio is an actor. You can't just, like, literally torture a human to make him work. But, like, yeah. I And I did. I basically did comic book rules where I get yeah. it. You're not going to ugly up your actor. And, be, look, you're you Hollywood. Be, I'm going to give you this. I'll give you. We also need him to be able to, you know, exchange places with the current king. And if he looks like a leper, you're right, not going to be able to Right, he's all fucked up looking. And they're like, what happened to the king? Like, hey, you know, just no makeup this morning. Bad oyster. You know, Bad we don't oyster. have medicine and shit. So, <laughs> Um, plague and all that. But yeah, so like I, the way I did it, because I have an imaginative mind, I say, okay, the his his hair got over the touch points, so the hair created a buffer. That's why he's sure. not all scarred up. Done and done. He started with long hair. Some of it was in his face. That's why he he lucked out basically. Yeah. But then I was also thinking, dude, there's this movie, this ideas the the ideas in this movie the concepts in this movie and some parts of this movie really deliver it's just there's so much garbage around that stuff that the film on on the whole i don't think is really redeemable but the scene where he's trying to see the moon and he can only ever see that one sliver the corner of it right, right. and he's looking up and he there's this there's this crazy thing. After they pull the mask off, the first time he tries to take a drink of water, he misses his mouth. Yeah. That's an, he's used to having that whole... That's a great detail. That's an amazing detail. The moment where he... You see him. You see the realization come into his eyes because he raises his hands fast, but then he stops because he's scared because he hasn't touched his face in six years. And he was taken as a teenager, which means... That he doesn't know what he looks like anymore because teenager to adult, Puberty and that's then, he has yeah. a beard, he has a mustache. I started thinking about, and you know, like I actually, this is something that I really enjoy is is abstracting ideas until you can examine them like ob- objectively. It's how I came to really appreciate Bane as a villain. 
Oh, absolutely. This came. This to me really brought home the horror of what is what was done in the Middle Ages. The, the there's a there's a a psych there's a psychological element to an iron mask because really there's they had all sorts of ways to fuck you up physically. They would put you on. They a, were not ashamed to put people through real spiritual as well as physical hurt, man. Definitely, like, dude. Like the rack. Okay, the rack is like that's physical torture, and everyone's horrified by the rack, myself included. There's a there's mm-hmm. an old kind of purple prosy um uh book called the uh, Wagner the Ver- the werewolf W A G N E R the werewolf. Check it out. It's free on Kindle. It's kind of long, but if you like like that kind of like purple prose, like ancient romance thing, they mm-hmm. break someone on the rack in that. And the way that it's descri- described is like you throw up in your fucking mouth. It's a horrible yeah. thing they did. But but this is worse because one of the things that we do is like think about how many visual cues you pick up from someone's face. Someone's identity is tied to their face. I think of you as a jovial, a t- like tend to be a happy, jovial dude because you're always smiling. Because of this. Yeah, because of your yeah. face. And then you, but when you put an iron mask on somebody for their life, for life, you've er, you've erased essentially their physical identity. All they have is this interior landscape of the mind. They have no way to interact really with anyone because they cease to be. That's a prof- we are our faces, man. I, I got to thinking about that during this flick too. Was like when you meet someone for the first time. Your first impression is generally their face, their eyes, their smile, their what they look like, right. their face. And then you take the rest of everything into sort of account, right? Like yeah. this is Max is this body of a person, right? But the first thing I saw was your face. And then we immediately start attaching like personality to that, like how I know you. It's all about becomes a familiar thing, right? Almost right. as familiar as my own, but especially it's, because I look at it. But so it's much. tied to that tied to that person in a very specific way where nobody right. else can. And I think about this too. This is a bit of a weird mind fuck is that people look like their personalities. You can tell an asshole when you see. Yeah. 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 You know, that whole like Karen thing, whatever, Bob. There, no, but, there like, is a you look. Can, you can tell it's like there's resting bitch face or mm-hmm. there's this person that's like thinking about a thing and you can always sort of glean just by what a person's face looks like expressionless mind you yeah, yeah. what kind of a person that they are i know that's something that's putting a whole like that's opening a can of worms for like whatever but just, yeah we carry so much of our selves in our face because it's what we express ourselves through so you can't hide who you are the other th- the other thing but, that i thought uh, about while i was thinking about the psychological aspects of this mask and what it means and there is a moment later in this movie when the mask this this mask is actually i will give the film this as well they utilize the mask very well because they get it back on and again this is pro, this is novel structure but they get the mask back on this kid philippe before gabriel before d'artagnan realizes that that kid is his child so when he delivers holy fuck dude the end of this movie when he is, when he realizes that this guy who's gonna die with them because they're in the last stand situation and they know it, and the Go only ahead, get your get your sword in here, kid. Yeah, he, the kid kind of, but but when he turns to to address his son for the first time, knowing that this is his son and not just some strange imposter, he's talking to an iron mask. He's talking to a faceless, dehumanized 
being. And what he says is, and remember, we, he, we now know that he has known the whole time that the king, the bad king, is his kid. And that's why he's been so loyal to him is he's trying to guide his child to become a his great son. ruler. Yeah. And he says to – he says essentially I, – I can't ape the dialogue because I didn't write it down. But he says essentially to Philippe, he says, I didn't even know that I had – that you were my son, that I had a second child until an hour ago. And in that hour, I've experienced for the first time pride. In my child yeah. He says this to a kid in rags With an iron A faceless iron edifice Bolted to his head And he looks at that kid With the king in the room And says You have made me proud In a way that my other child Is not in 25 years In an yes. hour mm-hmm. I, Dude that's the, everything But I love you To this like Faceless dehumanized thing I, That's one of the times that I cried like a fucking baby. That was profound. What a genius moment. What an amazing way to show what that mask means and what that mask can't mean in the face of true love. Mm-hmm. God damn, what an awesome moment in a shit show movie. I, I know, loved right? it, dude. I loved that moment. All the, all the moments that you're bringing up are the are the moments that 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 I'm I'm in it for this flick. I'm trying to hit the creme de la creme so, because we God, it's just so unfortunate that I feel like the moments that we've enjoyed in this film deserve better I than agree. the film that they're in and it's just fucking it ups, it depresses me that that some some real gems, some real moments, yeah. some real fucking just incredible action with heart yes like yes fuck dude i'm dude i'm with you this this movie has moments in it that are better than the movie as a whole deserves i'm with you yep. like this movie should have been so good so good because the mo- the the high points are high yeah, they oh are. my god are they high like when but there's so so little sandy islands in a sea yep. of bullshit yeah like, i'm and again i i this is not one of those where i'm gonna try and turn you around i'm with you it's this yeah. movie does not deserve the greatness that's in it you know like shit shit and the greatness in this movie doesn't deserve the bullshit that it's i know in. it's kind of hampered by like the first mana just honestly though i i feel like <laughs> I mean, we can't, we, we do, we recast shit all the time, but I feel like if it wasn't, uh, the one thing that consistently pulls me John out of this Malkovich. movie is John fucking Malkovich. You gotta pull him out of this, yeah. Uh-huh. It is probably one of the most egregious fucking, like, phone-ins I've ever seen to the point of being embarrassing. This is 98. Embarrassing to watch, man. Yeah. And this is, this is John Malkovich, like, in his upswing. Right, it's like we've got Con Air, we've got John Malkovich in um, all that. He tries to assassinate the president, but Clint Eastwood is like the the guy, whatever. So we've seen this John Malkovich is on his fucking upswing, and then he fucking this is what I was gonna this this is what I was gonna ask because I haven't seen that much with him in it. I he's always playing John Malkovich. I tend to not like him. I think he's. I don't actually. This is okay, and I know this is a little controversial too, but. Everyone talks about Forrest Whitaker as this like genius actor. I don't think I've ever seen, with the exception of The Crying Game and and Good morning, uh, Vietnam. Ghost Dog. Wait, what? Good Morning Vietnam. Okay, Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. So those three, he's great. He's good in those movies. He's great in some of those movies. But I don't understand where this like crazy mad praise for Forrest Whitaker comes from. I don't understand why people like John Malkovich that much. I've never seen anything where I thought he was even good. You know, like. No. I don't know. I, I think Art, it's Art School he's, Confidential. He's, he's interesting. 
I think it's because he's just a crazy person, and he does crazy really well. Like a, but I don't like, like si- a young like um, Siler or whatever Silas, the fucking bad guy he plays in Con Air, is just sort of. You're chewing. It's not great. There's a. There is a, a really cool SNL skit where they have John Malkovich read ch- a ch- um like a uh like a Christmas tale or something like Ma on her kerchief and Pa on her cap. He reads that to a bunch of kids and starts like editorializing a little bit. That is funny as shit because John Malkovich he's when you ask him to do any real sort of I don't work, know though he falls apart. This is this is something I would like to do for the show. This is where I think our show shines. I didn't know anything about Sofia Coppola. I knew I liked one of her movies, so we did a month, and we learned a lot about Sofia Coppola. I would be totally down to do a month of John Malkovich and try and yep. figure this out. Let's figure this dude out. Write it down, because yeah. I would be more than happy to watch In the Line of Fire. That's it. I'll watch any movie in written by, directed by Clint Eastwood. Um, yeah, I'm with you. He's prob- a great he can be a director. human, but fucking yep. he makes great movies. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, uh, I would definitely watch Con Air again because Nicolas Cage. Never and, seen it, but it was in our season three lineup. And, so. and it's pretty awesome. Um, <laughs> being John Malkovich, we could watch that one. Uh, on See. Criterion right now. Um, yeah, like so I'd like to try – I'd like to watch the movies that everyone points to and says, like, here's why he's great because I want to see that. I feel like maybe I've just been hitting the ones where he – doesn't land you know like maybe i'm just seeing the i think another i think another reason why this one just hits me so we keep coming back to it is this fucking athos is such an important fucking character in this one he's the one that's lost his son right and it's and and philippe the king the new king is asking him to to love him like a father and to love him back as a son there's two like, out of four of my crying moments is i would uh, would you love me uh, can i love you like a father and will you yeah. love me like a son Fuck you. I'm sobbing and, now. And we get the yawniest fucking, like, I don't know, man. Leo, the, the, Leo holds the, that scene up. He does. He, he But it could have been so much more. The The part that rubs me completely, there's the end when they're kneeling before Philippe. The, the, he has said, these three musketeers are my counsel and they're my closest friends. Right. And they all go to take a knee. Several times in that moment when they when the three musketeers go to grab hands, John Malkovich makes his face like, are we really we're going to do the hold hands thing? And you could say, well, that's that's the character. That's how he would respond to that. I think that's bullshit. It's John Malkovich going, "Okay, we're going to hold hands. And then when they're going down on their knees, he almost literally rolls his fucking eyes. Yeah, I'm with you. It's it is. I wasn't joking when I said I that's why I stand by those texts where I say they're calling these some of these actors are calling collect. They are legit phoning this in like paycheck city. They they would love to be anywhere else but on the set of this fucking movie. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's a. It's a damn shame because some of the people in here are trying really hard, and I I almost feel like if you just if you pull anybody else in, or you have John like give him a cup of coffee before each shot, I think that this movie is a better movie. Yeah, but he's such a huge part of the story in this flick. Yep, that it's just like it's throughout the entire thing. It's just like fucking hard. It's rough, dude. It's like if you had Christian Nolan, if you if you had um, like Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight Rises. Everything is exactly the same. It's shot the same. Everyone's Except Jesse Eisenberg. Is Jesse Bane. Eisenberg is is Bane, or like, oh my god, dude! I I can't even top that. I'm gonna leave that there. That's perfect. If Jesse Eisenberg is Bane, 
And maybe he got like a little bit more muscular. He got but a not little a yoked. He put on like 20, 18. No, he put on 18 pounds. Bane is too central. It's like if the Robin character was Jesse Eisenberg and he was just fully Every fucking... time Robin, came, that's even better. The Robin is, it's not Joseph Gordon Levitt. Because it's not constant. You still need yep, the high point. Just enough. Just enough, right? Because you need Bane. Right, right, right. Eat Gabriel Byrne. Yeah, yeah. Bane is Gabriel Byrne. You've got fucking Jeremy Irons rocking, you know, Batman. But Commissioner then, Gordon, whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Gary Oldman's still Commissioner Gordon. And then every yep. once in a while, here you're like, yes, this movie's actually doing it. And then Jesse Eisenberg rolls in and just fucks you. Uh, <laughs> I'm with you, dude. Yeah, that's a good analogy for like what what happened with John Malkovich in this flick. Um. And we're going to give Jesse the last shot of the movie. God damn it. <laughs> He's rising. Turns around, looks at the camera like, are we, am I still going up? Oh, we're still rolling. All we're right. still going up. <laughs> All right. So, um, okay. I, I, I'm going to try and be positive because we're very, it's okay. It's clear. Yeah. The movie has problems. Yes. You and I don't like a bunch of shit. Now I'm going to play Max's positivity game where I say nice right. things. Ready? There is a genius bit of filmmaking in here, visually. I, I actually think that this movie, if you just take out the performances and just look at it, it's pretty well shot. This is pretty well shot. There's some cool really pretty. There's cool camera work. Everything's in focus. And there's there's actually some, some work. Everything's in That's like bare minimum. Dude, like, that's, that's actually a big thing. I've seen Hollywood movies that, oh, you're right. that I, I demerit because the focus puller can't keep a fucking keep the frames in focus unless you're steve mcqueen in which case all the blurriness is intentional um so when raul gets blown up at the front we see him like charge for the front line he gets hit with the cannons he's dead as shit right raul raul hits his back he's dead cut to cut from his body upside down on the screen he's been murdered by cannon fire he's fucked from cannon fire cut to needlework this is genius dude this is a great shot because it's a woman doing needlework through a glass lamp so the glass lamp is distorting very hardcore it's distorting the needlework that she's doing and all you see is a needle wriggling around in this jumbled conglomeration of threads that are forming ropes that are tied by tendrils it is a perfect visual metaphor for field surgery, for viscera, for rifling around in guts. That needlework was gruesome. That's a hard thing to pull off. This movie pulled it off. I tip my hat to that shot. It was phenomenal. I may have been writing a note at that time. That's totally, dude, like. Missed it. Okay. Uh, Fuck. That's cool. It was an awesome. You missed a good part. Yeah, I know. Like it. I may have been checking Facebook, or I may have been writing a note. Dude, in this movie, you blink and you miss the good bits, and then you're just right back in the sewer. But I'm telling you, like, man, that right after the cannon fire kills that guy, they they that is a genius bit of editing and a great oh, shot. I was, I was writing a note because if my note is don't run in front of cannons, dummy. Oh, Raul just ate a cannonball. <laughs> uh oh. Started checking Facebook at dinner with the. Uh, yep, because my next note is. <laughs> Don't run in front of cannons. Raul ate a ball. Uh oh. Started checking Facebook. <laughs> if this was the old days, I'd ask how many fingernails got painted. I'm assuming this would be all of them. This is an all of them kind of flick. Four to five. I mean, we're getting half one full hand done. Yeah. Um. All right. So. Uh, thank you for bringing that back. 
I forgot. Like we used to be able to tell how bored I was by how many fingernails I had. <laughs> right. It's a good way to tell, like, if the movie was good. How it's actually like how much of a fight does does Max have on his hands? <laughs> <laughs> right. We got a four finger fight for you today, right. Max. Because it's always like I sit down and I'm like. Carl, I know I bring a lot of my own shit to these pieces of garbage that we watch, but I thought this movie was phenomenal. Oh, sorry, listener. Today we're talking about 1991's The Slumber Party Prolapsed Butthole Massacre <laughs> 7. Right. I thought this was a <laughs> profound philosophical statement. You're like, yeah, four four fingers I painted. Um, So, Max, were you smoking weed last night? Right. What, Carl? Heaven forfend. I mean, a little bit. Yeah, a ton, actually. Like, a lot. <laughs> I thought I was a llama at one point. I didn't even actually watch the movie. I just thought about what the movie could have been, and boy, it was great. Um, Not a little llama. I was a big llama. <laughs> a big. I was a. You could say I was a lot of llama. A big llama. A big. Um. Okay. So, <laughs> my my next big llama. <laughs> so my next, my next good good note is again. It's a. This is a concept thing. So this comes from the book. Not from sure. the film, but I thought that the actors in play ha- handled it really well because it's Jeremy Irons and Leonardo DiCaprio, and it's DiCaprio as Philippe. So what I'm going to say is we've got some of our top tier people playing in the same sandbox on screen, so you're in for a good chunk of flick. Mm-hmm. It's after they pull the iron mask off the guy, and he goes in to he, he's already done some of my favorite work touching his face looking at his reflection in the water and passing out i like this stuff i think that this is great then jeremy iron uh, i'm sorry I'll, I'll use his name aramis sits down and he's like i'm gonna let me let me give you the spiel here so remember back when you were like a kid and everything was good mm. and you were living on like a country estate and someone kidnapped you and brought you to a prison and put you in an iron mask and removed your identity and any vestige of humanity and you've desperately been trying to cling to sanity for six years of literal psychological spiritual hell actually that guy that did that to you that was me and now i'm asking for your help i cannot ask your forgiveness at this moment maybe someday i will but that day is not today that moment is fucking amazing yeah god dude like like right now, I swear to you, I'm I'm getting teary-eyed thinking yeah, about this moment. And I'm again, I'm with you. And the more that I talk about this movie, I'm mad. I'm mad that that moment had to be in this flick. Because, yeah. dude, Jeremy Irons and Leonardo it deserves, DiCaprio. It does, they deserve better. That scene deserves better, man. It really does. 100%. Shit, that's great. Even better is when he leaves. When he runs out of the room, because they yes. just dude, they dropped a bomb on him. The people who liberated him are the people who put him there, and now he has to balance those scales and see where see where he stands. I don't even know who I am, and you're asking this of me, like, yeah, what the fuck? You didn't even free me because it was the right thing to do. You did it because you have an agenda, and what does that mean for me? And also, I don't fuck. I don't know who I am because six years ago you made me into nobody. Yeah, when I was still cooking. As a human being. Yeah. You took away my ability to be in, to have an identity. That's, that's like that. That's a, I just realized that, that they, they put him in a tower and put a mask on his face right when he was developing into the person he was supposed to be. So that's who he From became. a very psychological and biological sort of time of a person's life. Holy yeah. fuck. What really terrifies me about this idea is the jailers don't know who he is. No. So, no one has a clue who he is. So think about this. Here's here's who you've got. Aramis, 
the queen, the doctor, and the king. If four people die, four people die, that guy in the tower is literally no one forever. Because and no dying one... was real easy in them days. Fuck yeah, dude. One raid, one plague. Four people die, and that man, that person in that mask, has no identity ever forever. That's it. He dies totally he... nobody. Oh. Yeah. Well, he, he knows... He doesn't know who he was because he was taken as a baby. Oh, to an that's estate. right. He was, yeah, that's he, right. He's basically born with no identity, and then is physically stripped of one. And then he. It's the only thing he remembers was some old. The old kind woman used to call me Philippe. Yeah, yeah, the woman who's like t- taking care of the one true king of France. Although I like at the end of this movie that we find out that there actually is no king of France because if Philippe is D'Artagnan's kid, then that means that the other king, Louis, is also D'Artagnan's kid. And since D'Artagnan ain't yes. the king, that's a couple of bastard children, and neither of them has a claim to the throne. They're going to get a little chalet out there somewhere on a grape, not a good grape farm. Grape it's, farm? it's not a vineyard. a vineyard. It's just a place where grapes grow. You know what I mean? It's not a vineyard. It's a grape farm. It's a grape farm. Yeah, they grew up at Welch's. Yeah. <laughs> Welch's I mean, vineyard. To backdoor into that fortune, I mean... <laughs> The Welch's fortune. The Welch's fortune. Second make... only to the Peeny Hammer fortune, dude. Like <laughs> the ball Peeny Hammers. Um, so, a... I I had an interesting thought about Aramis because Aramis is a hero. He's one of our musketeers. He's meant to be a protagonist character that we identify, empathize with, and root for. He's like a leader of the Assassins Guild too, man. Like what the fuck? Are yeah. the, ju- the the uh... the Jesuits. The Jesuits. Yeah, yeah, he's the he's the general I've, of the Jesuits. Man, I've been playing way too much Assassin's Creed. I was feeling a whole lot of Assassins versus Templars in this movie. Like, what the fuck, man? Good. No, and you know what, listener, if you decide that you want to watch this movie, I, Carl. Okay, let's do this right now while we're doing it. I think this movie's worth one watch and no more, and it's better if you're high. Your recommendation: Do people give this a pass, or do you think this is worth one spin just to see the high points? Or do you think there's just too many lows to merit it? I say watch it once, and if you are into weed, then do that as well. Well, this is the thing. I will never recommend a person not watch a movie because we bring so much of our own. I will always say watch the movie. Make your own decision. All right. But. Heavy asterisk? Aside from the heavy asterisk, caveat, (laughs) go ahead and give this one a pass. (laughs) Parenthetical. Yeah, read. Do not watch. (laughs) So those are our that's our recommendations, but I want to talk about Aramis because we protagonist, hero, meant to be the guy we root for. Kidnapped a child and committed them to I, I'm gonna say that where where we see the man in the iron mask, the opening of this movie is a jailer walking down a torture dungeon where we see people just dying of malnutrition starvation covered with the scars of physical torment and he gets to a door and he slides back a slot that is the size of a wallet and the only the first contact that the man in the iron mask is going to get today is you dead yet yep that's where aramis puts a child for six fucking years and you want me movie alexander dumas you want me to sit here and applaud this dude and hope wish him well and hope that he survives and yet, that is precisely what the movie pulls off. Big part yep. of that, I think, is Philippe's forgiveness. 
without I mean without that you don't have without that you have villain is what you have 100%. you have you don't have the musketeers anymore right yeah now you're now you're trying to figure out a way to bend me into rooting for bane you know like exactly uh, now yeah but now i'm now i'm on bane's bench yeah there's, i'm like all right it's a difficult well, dance yeah. but I, I do come down on his side you know part of it is his is how he seems to genuinely be suffering you know what i mean like oh jeremy or um aramis, aramis yeah aramis yeah. is He's dealing with this, and he's. This isn't sitting well. He Good, just forget motherfucker. You yeah, put in the mask. I, exactly, exactly. Oh, you poor guy. You feeling bad? Oh, shoot. So there's. I wish there's something we could do about that. Oh, there's this, but then there's maybe don't put kids in jail, dude. There, <laughs> there's an there's an ex. <laughs> You mean like America does now? Like sorry, I was gonna just let it lay. Yeah, my but... bad. Um, so there's a um. So there's an added element to this that I think is actually kind of struck me last night while I was watching this. It's a late note that I have when I retroactively realized what they're trying to do. So they are they're replacing a king. I had a weird I had definitely had a weird little pothole last night where I got like diverted. Pothole. Yeah, I got diverted into a rut where I was thinking about how strange kings are, just a human that we arbitrarily decide means man, more I've than other Man, I've gone humans. down that deep, dark rabbit hole a whole bunch of times, man. We talked about the whole thing with nations yeah. existing in yeah, the yeah. dark night. <laughs> yeah. We just all agree that oh, this person means more than any other person on Earth. If you're part of that country, then you value your king over others, which means... Food's rotten, huh? As he's putting fresh food in his mouth? Yeah. yeah. And he's allowed to do that because of... Because of what we all just agreed to believe, it's so I fell into that hole for a while. But then, no, I, that's all right. Then I was thinking about what they were doing, which is they're taking one per. They have a set of identical twins. It's a really unique set of circumstances. But they're going to remove from power the a standing ru- ruler, a monarch, and replace that person with another person who looks exactly like them, but will behave differently. That's that screwed me up a little bit. I was like, yep. and no, I, that's fucked. It's completely sober. I'm like, oh, that's that's a that's a mind fuck right there. And, and also think about the stakes. Every one of these just, mar- just because he looks the same, it's still a different person. Right, right. But no one's gonna know that. And because the role of king is actually not God given, it's just a title. It's just a piece of jewelry that you put on a on a person's head. You can do that because everyone's yep. just gonna look and see the crown and the familiar that's- face. And be like, oh, he's acting completely different than normal. But um, eh, that's awesome. He seems to ah, be being nice to right. us. And oh, man. The fickle nature of rule is kind of scary. And this movie illustrates it pretty well. You know, like it could just be anyone up there. As long as you don't pay too much attention to what the face looks like. You just look at the crown. They even mention this overtly in the dialogue. There's more here to love than my crown. Which is a yeah. lie because the bad king is just a piece of shit. Pretty much exclusively. And she fell to that trap. Too. I oh, kind of like how Raul Leslie Vernon's it and sends his goodbye letter to the palace for her. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so look, he sent me to the front lines to die and he's going to come after you and you're going to go for it. You're going to end up fucking him. You'll probably be reading that. Like the letter is basically like those diamond earrings that you're wearing right now look lovely. Like he fucking has this shit dialed yep. in. He knew what was up. <laughs> but um, what got me is I think one of the reasons I was trying to figure out why I forgave Aramis, why I'm okay with him. Is it just because I like Jeremy Irons? I don't think so. Here's, a lot of that plays in for me, though. 
But I think it's Philippe's forgiveness, though. Part of it, yeah, I think a big part is Philippe's forgiveness. And then another part of me, a kind of cynical part of me, a kind of more um, uh, coldly logical, unpleasantly logical part mm. of me, forgave him also because of the stakes they're playing for. They rescue him and they sit him at the table. And you're like, no, 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 he has to go deal with his hurt feelings. and la, la. But then I thought about it. No, this is this is the biggest... This is the biggest of big boy tables, and these are the biggest of big boy stakes. We're about to unseat a monarch. We're going to all commit capital treason. We have you at this table right now because we need you to save a nation of people. We need you to save a country that is starving under a totalitarian fascistic monarch. There are no higher stakes than this. I'm sorry you were in a mask for six years. Yeah, that's existentially fucked, but... We have wow. all of our chips in one pile, and you are our pocket cards. This is where we're sitting. We all have to just bite the bullet and get past the shit that we did, and we need God. to think about a country. And that's part of why I forgave Aramis is he's he put he put everything on black in the tr- yeah. in the total sense. It, it, his life is on the line. The lives of his friends are on the line. The legacy he's going to have he might have to kill. One of his dearest friends in the world to pull this shit off. And yet, he put those chips down and took his hands away. Think about that, dude. So, Pretty wild. It is. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. Like it's. And to think, like you, as you were saying that, I was putting myself in Philippe's shoes as if you were just Artemis, like, pitching me. I'm like, yeah. dude, I woke up this morning covered in my own piss and shit, starving, with a 15-pound piece of metal on my face. Yeah. You've yeah. rescued me. I was strapped to the body of you as you rescued me from my prison cell. Yeah. I've just seen my face for the first time in six years, and this is what, this is the ask? Yeah. Philippe is an incredible fucking human being. Amazing. Amazing. I one of my favorite moments in this to whole to keep that sort of heart and soul and yeah. your true nature through, through s- all of that. Yes. Dude, when when <laughs> when Aramis as the Italian priest comes in and the man in the I'm going to call him the when he's in the mask, he's not Philippe because he's no No, he one. is the man in the He's iron the man. man when the man in the iron mask stands up and says oh, is it my confession day already? I'm so uh, I, I'm so sorry. And he Philippe, like, or not Philippe, Aramis, like, falls back in horror. Or is it D'Artagnan, is it, um, or is it Porthos? And one of them falls back in horror. And the man in the Iron Mask's response is, oh, I'm sorry, you haven't seen me before. This must come as an awful shock. He's apologizing for what the, what has been done to him. And he has seen that mask before he put it on him. He has held on to his humanity in a truly inspiring and heartbreaking way. Yeah. I love it. I love that he's still yep. a person when they find him, you know? Like, god damn. And how much longer would it have been before he wasn't? You know? That that I is, think I think that would have been him until he died. You think he would have held on to his humanity think, all through his life? I think I think after 6 years and he is still that person. Yeah. I don't know, man. I feel like I feel like that's him. I That's almost, who he is. I know. I we, know. We, we, yeah, and it's good to take art on its own terms. This is what's being presented to us, so this is what we're dealing with. But right. the part of me that lives in the Another real 30 world, years, I think he just goes insane. 
Yeah, I think there is a point where you just... There's one more scratch on your face that you can't touch, and now you don't remember that kind old woman who called you Philippe. You don't know, remember what those sounds were anymore, right. what the sound of that name was there an old woman, or did I make her up? Have I ever been anywhere but here? Have but I here. ever and had? Then, there's and at then what, you break, and then you are just. At what point is that mask your face? You know, like which is the most frightening thing of all? At what point does your torment supplant your identity, which is horrifying? It's actually a really great metaphor for depression too. How oh, long, absolutely. How long do these do these this heaviness that you wear? How long do you wear this before it becomes your skin? You know, like. Mm-hmm. It's horrifying. It's a really, it's a really truly scary idea. The man in the iron mask. The the concept behind this is terrifying. Um, and then I got more notes about the, how the whole cast is just phoning the shit in. Um, the metaphor that I came up with for the the visual look of this because it's shot well and goddamn the costume design is great. The set design is great. There's color. The choreography of the dances is great. What? What do you see? I read one of my notes. What is it? <laughs> so you know how when they finally get Philippe in and they're they're training him how to be a how to be proper, they're Eliza doodling him a little bit, sure, right? Yeah, yeah. They're riding spine in the plane, <laughs> right? They're all your egonism and shit. <laughs> yes. And there's a it's it's a, a training montage. Mm-hmm. And my note is a montage. If a montage happens in France, is it pronounced Montague? <laughs> <laughs> We get that. We do get a training Montague, but it's mostly dancing and like equestrian. Yeah, that's true. I was like, okay, but where's him like, where's him doing pull ups? Yeah, yeah, I need him doing pull ups on like a dirty beam <laughs> or like yeah. him like walking through snow with like a tiny Russian man on his back. Like, I've seen pretty great workout montages, and this just seems this to be a lot of like. And two, three, four, one and two and one and six and this is a and weird make sure that you don't apologize and make sure you keep two hands and fingers on the glass. And man, this is a weird Rocky. See, that made me so mad. Because they should have stopped at five. I... <laughs> Rocky goes to France. <laughs> right. uh, you know, I've been thinking like maybe I could be like royalty or something, you know? Oh, <laughs> um, no. Like I always like wanted to learn to play chess, you know? <laughs> Uh, we can... I could dance good. <laughs> she mentally irregular, you know. But like, <laughs> but like uh... Rocky is one of my favorite characters in. in I know. Also. I also adore Rocky. There's a reason that that is an upcoming series for us. We're, I love yes. those movies. I actually, I just like and respect Sylvester Stallone immensely as an Huge. actor and director. Huge. <laughs> it's big if true. Um, but no. So like, this is actually a moment. This montage has a moment that pissed me off. Because the dialogue is great, where he's trying to take a drink, and we learn that the reason that the king barely touches the goblet is because common hands have handled it. He spills a drink, and he goes, I'm sorry, and he goes, you can't apologize, because a king doesn't give a fuck. This whole bit, where we, he's like, no matter what happens, if you shit your own pants, you don't apologize, because you're the king. It's kingly shit. Yeah, you get to do that. If you want to be like, peasants, come and eat this poop out of my fucking drawers. I'm the king. That's appropriate because you're the king. All of the dialogue here is top tier. But it's all John Malkovich's lines. Yep. Because, dude, I'm not, I'm, I've watched, you and I have watched a shitload of movies. And I'm a writer. I can see great dialogue. And this shit is good. These are good lines. You give this to a Michael Fassbender in his prime. You give this to Fassie, 
Holy shit, is this scene amazing? And Leon's... Well, his breakdown, his breakdown of their roles in the, in the cemetery, when, that is actually a well-written scene, totally. but it comes across as just garbage because he's fucking saying he's because he's making it so yeah like the it's not the problem is not the script actually like pretty much all the script this this is good dialogue it's just the the people saying it are like okay and i i will confess i had a bit of a bad moment while bird was still around it was when we first met christine and she's doing her lines and I'm like, cause she's supposed to be like this charming everyone. It's it's this thing where that happens in movies where everybody falls in love with one woman. Like, oh, we love her. Yeah, like everyone thinks she's this best, most smartestest, most prettiest, most everythingest person. And usually in the movie, not any of those things. Not the best actress. Not the prettiest actress. Not the most mm-hmm. graceful actress. And this movie's no exception. Like when Christine was doing lines, I had to pause the movie and I turned to Bird and I was like, "I legitimately don't understand how this 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 actor." And now look, young, definitely young. Yeah, sure. So, who knows? I didn't look it up. Maybe went on to do amazing things. Leo's not perfect in this movie either, and he's young. So I'm gonna give her some soft pass. Neither one of us are cashing movie paychecks. Fucking so. no shit, dude. You and I are dog turd turtle hats compared <laughs> to these people. Like I don't even know what that means, but compared to the talent on this screen, we're nothing. Yeah. You and I, we don't hold a candle to John Malkovich. The dude is cashing acting money to the bank, but we're watching the movie and we're taking it on its terms. And I cannot think of a of a less of a more lackluster performance than Christine. Yeah. Like just poopy. Dude, it's like it's like she's putting she's putting like pauses at the end of lines mid-sentence. In the, so it's like when she gets to the end of a line, she pauses and waits for the teleprompter to give her some more line. Like there's pauses and, and continue. Yeah, there's pauses in bad spots that don't make any sense. There's like punctu- there's no punctuation, there's too much punctuation. Everything is flat. I, it, it's unreal. It's like that. It's this. It's that weird. Fucking inserting umlauts in weird places. I know. I don't understand. And again, like, okay, another thing about this actress is clearly English is not her first language. She's got kind of the vibe of like early Arnold Schwarzenegger, where it is a bit Austrian. Where where he's, but but that thing where like Arnie didn't know what he was saying. He just learned right, no, his okay, lines. No, okay, gotcha. Right. Yep. Just learning it phonetically, and then I almost get beats of that in here because. Christine was pretty much awful all the way through. And that doesn't that whole arc doesn't work if you don't buy it from her. Like that's a Which, whole yeah. that's a pretty important piece of the plot. Bad it, casting. Bah, bah, bad. Actually, kind of in many places. Some some's casting spot on. The people that we like. Those people yeah. are in the right roles for them. Everyone else is miscast as shit. Ugh! It's frustrating, Carl. It's, it is. I it's know. Kind of, it's kind of frustrating. Oh man, um, it needs to be either more Three Musketeers and less something, or more something and less Musketeers. I don't know. I like it's, the. I think we need more Musketeers, less of everything else, and we need I to think so. and rotate John Malkovich out. But the, dude, I, from the moment that D'Artagnan's back on their side. And he's working to like put Philippe on the throne. He's work. I want to buy that movie. Do you know who the Musketeers are? They're the OG Expendables, dude. No, dude. That they, yeah, they and they have their hero shot. One of the best hero shots at the end of this flick of any movie I've ever seen. Fuck yeah! When they fucking come walking around that corner and they're like, "This is it, man. This is the last stand." 
and they they draw their swords out, I'm in awe, and everyone with their muskets drawn on them is in awe. Yeah, I I Fuck. I the single the single best line in this whole movie is just what valor, dude. That gave me the fucking yeah. Just, I don't oh, know if you can see chills right no. now, dude. Yeah, 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 chills yeah right now and got a, the measuring and flicks chills. I'm a little bit fucking teary, dude. They, no, yeah, I got it. I'm pooling on the unders. They come fucking rolling out around that corner. Five people, four musketeers who have been through every harrowing situation you can imagine and have come out on top, have come out legends, have inspired this entire group of people who are about to kill them. And they have no guns. They draw their swords and they round that corner roaring. Because that's how you die if you're a musketeer. You die screaming with your blade drawn, running at the enemy. The captain... The, <laughs> I know, dude, the the. I'm glad you're talking right now, and not me. Cause... The it's like the, the he's almost honored that they that he gets to see this last moment, and he is so profoundly broken that he has to open fire, and he has to that it is. There's never been more respect on a human's face. Great actor, by the way. Everything the captain does, top tier. Yep, I love the captain. Yep, Captain's he's fucking great. awesome. Make and captain make. Captain Athos, and we're fine. The king, I think the king gives the order to fire, and no one does. And the next line is the captain just awestruck, and he says, What valor? And then one of the men panics and fires, and then there's a volley. And then this dude, when that fucking smoke clears, and they're still standing, and like they're kind of winged, some of them have gotten nicked or hit. Oh, yeah. But they're all on their feet, and they're like still coming on. They're not stopped. They're not stooped. They're not lying down. They're hit. They're in smoke. Some of them are wounded, and they're still coming forward, and they still have their swords in their hands. You just fired 30 fucking bullets at these dudes, and their response is like, fuck you, we're still at, we're still coming at you. <laughs> and the king gives, because there's musketeers of all fired, so the king gives the order, like, f- kill them. Fall on them. Yep. They're fucked up. You shot them like 100 times, and there's 30 of you. Pull your swords out. So the captain draws his sword, and he he reverses that so it's blade up, and he puts his sword to his breast and salutes them, and all the other men fucking do too. They're like, we just saw, we just saw the most courage and the most valor is the perfect word, the most valor that we've ever seen. You four stand for everything that made us put these uniforms on, and we swear our allegiance to you. Fuck, man, I wish that was in a better movie because it's an incredible fucking scene and an incredible know, fucking moment. At, that is, you know what's really fucked up about this movie? Do you know this guy who wrote this movie? Do you want to know what this this screenwriter also wrote? Yeah. The guy who wrote this wrote Braveheart. And that's what I'm saying is the acting is the problem. The script is not. You know what else he wrote? We Were Soldiers. This is a so fucking... he loves Mel Brooks and Mel Brooks Mel, Mel, Mel Gibson. Gibson and him fell in love. Then. Well, he's a screenwriter; he's not a director. So, like the guy. No, who... I get it. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So the the guy who wrote the maybe the two great two, one of the best Vietnam movies ever, and one yeah, of the... I don't I don't think we've talked about it on this show yet, but Braveheart is one of my favorite fucking movies of Ditto. all time. Ditto. And... I mean, this got some historical inaccuracies, but what flick doesn't? Yeah, history is occasionally boring. History is a lot of people sitting around hoping they don't get sick while they churn butter. But that is one three-and-a-half-hour movie that I've burned both tapes out. Yeah, I've watched. Because it was a double cassette, 
I have watched tapes many, Mark. many times through Braveheart. Um, like it's just amazing. Some of the stuff about the making of that movie is kind of funny. Like Mel Ga- Mel Gibson refusing to use um Scottish or uh, Scottish bagpipes. He, or no, he refused to use. Yeah, he refused to use Scottish bagpipes and used Irish bagpipes instead because he said <laughs> Scottish bagpipes sounded like dogs baying as they died. Like he just. Mel Gibson is Gibson. he's always I said he's always said what's on his mind oftentimes yeah oftentimes. I'm gonna say most of the, some of the times the stuff that comes off the top of the dome is a little problematic but you know what another thing about Mel I look I'll never I'm not gonna whitewash what Mel Gibson said in the past but one thing I will say is I do think that Mel Gibson's one of those people who fucks up and then like Christian Bale fucks up and then realizes they fucked up and strives forward to be better in the future. And I'll try to be better. He has had continual missteps. He's had substance abuse problems, and yeah. but on the whole, I I think Mel Gibson is a fascinating person, and his struggle to atone for his demons and to war, and to control his demons, he's a, a very interesting person to me. Yeah. Um. There's another month I'd be willing to do. I would like to do a Mel Gibson month. We kind of already did, but it had Denny Glover in it, too. Right, yeah, yeah. Our Lethal Weapon series was just secretly us being like, hey, Mel Gibson, man. I just want to watch more Martin Riggs. I want to see him not eat a bullet, like, as many times as possible. And, that, yeah, there. that's another thing that you can't take away from Mel Gibson, dude. Absolute top notch. His chops. For Fuck. fucking sure. Not in everything, but he does, no. he does damaged and crazy really well. And I think in his personal life, you kind of see why. I, I, I think know. he's got a lot of Martin Riggs in him. I agree. I agree. Like Lethal Weapon One, Martin Riggs before he before he meets Renee pre Rene Russo, I think. Yes, right? yes, yes. Early Martin Riggs, the uh, the proto Rust Cole Martin Riggs. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yes. <laughs> um. All right, I'm gonna go ahead and say this right now. Um, because we're in the chunk of movie that works. We're in the yeah. good bits now. I, I will. I will not argue you one fucking iota, but the last half an hour of this movie banging. Is fucking incredible, dude. Good, good, good. Dude. You gotta look. I have to. I have to look. Glance sideways occasionally when John Malkovich is eye rolling. I'm but, with you. I'm with you. Yep, yep. That- but I am so in it at the end of this movie, dude. Actually, from from them placing Philippe as soon as there's like revert the heist. Yes. To get, once to get him on the throne. Once, once we're there, I think it's once the once the crowd parts and F- yeah. it's Philippe standing there and he comes down and sits, dude. Holy shit, Leonardo DiCaprio, single single word, top-tier delivery when he sits down and calmly, quietly, continue. Continue. Fucking, oh. dude, yes! Yeah. yeah. Come on, single, you know you love a good single-line mic drop, when you, or a single-word mic drop. When you get someone who can bring down the house with a word, that is him rocking king. I'd buy Philippe as king. Totally, oh, yeah. his bear. When, once he gets like settled and kind of comfortable, his bearing the oh, man. The whole time I'm like, breathe, just breathe, dude. Just I breathe. Know. Remember you, your you training. S- Remember your training. Yeah, you're fucking up. You're fucking up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the same thing. When you see him like get a little flustered, you're like, no, no, dude, you got this. You got this. Come on. Yep. Okay. See, yeah, this, see, as soon as that all starts happening, I forget that I hate this movie and I'm fucking fucking loving it. This okay. So yeah, that's where it started to turn for me. The moment that when I texted you that second bit, I may have been wrong about this movie was right after Gabriel Byrne's death scene. And I'm like, I don't understand what the hat what happened. I don't what happened. I don't fully understand how I got from like 
yeah, like you, like I'm, I'm fucking around online. I'm kind of watching. I'm thinking about pouring a glass of wine, maybe to make this movie go faster. But then there is a moment in there where stuff changes and you're in it. And then Gabriel Byrne dies and you're or D'Artagnan's dying. And you're like, huh. I don't, what happened I don't fucking D'Artagnan? get it. I'm crying. My heart, my heart hurt, dude. And this, that's one of the things I wanted to talk about is when D'Artagnan dies, Leo hits, I'm not even Leo. Philippe hits his knees and he knows his father's dying. He's just met his father. He just, yeah, he just discovered this information the not f- moments ago. The frantic, the frantic edge to him screaming, get this thing off me so that he can, so that he can be with his father face to face as humans as mm-hmm. his dad dies. Like, what the fuck is that moment doing in this movie, man? You know? Or like, don't, me don't, don't try to talk. Don't try to talk. And then Peter, or, and then um, uh, D'Artagnan puts his hand out and puts his hand on Philippe's hand and says, no, this is, dude, his fucking line is. He goes, no, this is the death I've always wanted. All for one and one for all. And, and the he, captain, too. <laughs> and then he just fucking goes out, man. And that is yep. a great death. When his 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 eyes go blank. I we've we dramatic death scenes. This is definitely a dramatic death because he gets his last oh, words. It's a, yeah, because yeah, it's a profound. dramatic death, not a realistic death. Yes. No, but as far as dramatic deaths go, dude, I hate to say this because it's. Baby. I put this as number one for the man in the iron mask. Like I'm almost pissed that I have to say that, but like you want to talk about best dramatic death scene. D'Artagnan, the man in the iron mask. This is the death I've always wanted. Seeing his son's face in the correct light for the first time. <clears throat> all for one and one for all. Surrounded Doesn't it make his... you so fucking angry that this lives in the fucking... I'm going to write John Malkovich a strongly worded letter. Dear Mr. Malkovich. Not even... Carl here. Not even entirely... I'm not even entirely mad, though, because you know what? Like, yeah, the movie sucked, but but it gave me this moment, and I have this moment in my head now. And I have yeah. this, I have this, and I'm very grateful for that. And the king, the bad king, okay, so while this death scene is happening, so the king, the bad king, all this time, is laying back against the wall, he's sitting on the ground, they've taken the key from around his neck, um, I guess we didn't describe how D'Artagnan died, basically, bad king stabbed him in the back trying to stab his good brother, so he's been thrown to the wall and he's on the ground, and he, while D'Artagnan's dying, he tries to get up. And the captain of the guard pulls his sword. Well, we don't know as the captain of the guard. For all we see is a blade go to his neck. Like, you're not going anywhere, bud. And I was assuming it's one of the musketeers, like Porthos or someone. Right. And we get the reveal that it's the captain of the guards. Like, you ain't fucking going nowhere, yeah, bud. Yeah, like the, the, the dog that's been doing his bidding the whole time, this captain of the guard, who D'Artagnan was also loyal. So he's doing what D'Artagnan did. He's being loyal to his country and his crown. Even if that looks shady and sketchy as shit, it's kind of a mm-hmm. it's kind of a cool idea, especially in 2020. Like, there are consequences to being blindly loyal, right? Um, but dude, I love this. The king goes to get up, and that sword comes down, and we cut up to the cat. He the king looks up incredulously, like, "Why the why are you why are you doing this? I'm your king." And the captain of the guard looks down at the king, and he says, "All my life." All I ever wanted to be was him. 
Fuck yeah. that. That was the part that got me, dude. And I didn't write it down because I couldn't see to write. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that is just cry <laughs> All my city. life, all I wanted to be was him. That man that you just killed. You think I'm going to let you stand up right now while he's dying? <laughs> I'll cut your head off your body first. It's just an amazing it's incredible. moment. It's incredible. It is, dude. It's it's fucking awesome. And then the they they almost play it for laughs. Like what what happens? Because obviously, what happens is they kick everybody out except for the four musketeers, the two king, the two brothers, and the yep. captain of the guard. Like this is it's going to be a secret what happens. And there's only seven people who know, and like five of six of them are not going to fucking tell. Um. So they switch the kings, and they almost play it comedically, where they're like, "Ah, oh, we've got the real king, and here's the captor, and they were the captive, and the the man in the iron mask, who is now Louis, the Louis proper, the the uh, younger of the two sons, or the older of the two sons, is like, oh no, no, you're wrong, I'm the king, and they punch him in the back of the head, they fucking knock his shit out, with basically they hit him with a shovel and then stuff a sock yep. in his mouth, and they're like." Hey, so guards, this guy talks a lot of crazy shit. Why don't we put him in like a soundproof cell and the only people who are allowed to be in contact with him are like deaf mutes. Deaf mutes. So yeah. that they can't be infected. I like this actually, where they can't be infected by his madness. But they also don't get to know who he is. <laughs> right, he's just in there like, I'm the king, I'm the king. And after a couple of years of that, people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'm, that's the- the- I'm Napoleon. Yeah, just exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I thought it was really interesting that the way the way that Philippe words it, where he says, perhaps he can eventually learn from his time in the mask and find some redemption in it. Which, he does eventually pardon him too, which is important. Yeah, he puts him. Um, he sets. He sends him out to like a country estate where yep. his mother goes to visit him quite often. Now, I've been talking with Bert about this, and I don't. I don't know because I don't I don't remember the book. I read it in like elementary school. I don't remember how it ends, but I think it's implied that they just remove him from prison, but leave the mask on because you have the same problem. You can't take that mask off because once the mask is off, the cat's out of the bag. So I think they just sent him to like Villa Estate where he lives this kind of like broken shell of himself in like a weird convalescence situation where the queen comes and pats his hand as he sits in a chair facing the sunrise drooling Jesus. like an idiot that's how that's I, a fucking fate man holy shit that's how i imagine the end of this movie so i the like comedic tone of the like well <laughs> we're just gonna go condemn this man to an eternity in hell but then again you know what the medieval era was kind of different and it was pretty bad and no anyone who's ever like wish i could have lived in the age of valor Ooh, back with the knights I don't know, dude. Do you, I always wanted to be a cowboy, and then you read how they actually lived. Yeah, like none of them had teeth, cause yep. <laughs> just you don't, and you're all dead by thirty. I, I was gonna say thirty-two. You're an old man. Yeah, it's like yeah, that Clint Eastwood in Unforgiven. He was thirty-six years old. <laughs> <laughs> that, that character. Accurate. They're like, holy shit! How old are you? Oh. <sighs> Yeah, you know what? That's you know, but good on him. That's that Obamacare keeping him healthy. Right, late. Yeah. He's he made it to thirty seven before he, drinks, he drinks the good whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But you know that's that's pretty much the end. There's the there's the last little tag at the end. The uh, will you be my father and I'll be your son. And dude, it's a great moment. And unfortunately, it happens to be with that one actor yep. that we've talked about a bunch. But um, 
all told, on the whole, my my review with and yeah, dude, you listener, you heard the episode. You know how much of me I put in this movie, how much I brought to this thing. Carl, you saw this movie. You know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. There's there's truly good, great shit. There's truly there is. great. I'll say great. There's great shit in this, but man, it is just Not surrounded with with balls. Um, man, it's, a, it's a minefield, bud. Yeah. So what do you out of out of five? If you had to do it out of five, all told, I'm cool with anything because I fully can see a one star this, uh, or half two. star. Yeah, I'll give it a two because the the parts that shine shine very brightly. Uh, it would be a one if it were if it were if it were not for those few moments that we've really yeah. dug into as the the wonderful moments in this film would be a one. But right. because of those and because the end the last thirty five minutes is brilliant. It's really good. Yeah, yeah the good. end of this movie. This movie ends really strong. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. So and I, if this is if this was on a scale uh, uh, from one to ten, I would still give it a two to give you some sort of perspective. Gotcha. Yeah, it didn't it didn't earn a whole lot, but it earns it earns some some. I out of a five I'll give it just because I because of me it's me I'm gonna give it a 2.5 I give it a thoroughly like 50 percent half you know what you know what the great thing about movies is Max and the reason why I like ranking and rating because we understand how we're going about the rating and rankings process right yeah you do we do bring ourselves to the to the to the viewing of a movie and if you pull out more than I do it could be a four out of five. That's your yeah. That that's actually one of my favorite parts of this show is when we watch movies and a movie for me. I and I gen, I genuinely mean this. I really do. When you watch a movie and I watch a movie, and you truly just don't like it, and that's like again, like when you watch a movie and you're like, man, what a piece of shit. I give this like a one, and for me it was like four and a half. Oh my god, mm-hmm. I saw all sorts of stuff. I enjoy those conversations because part of what I learned there yes obviously part of me wants you to see what I see and love the movie and I'm sure we, I'm sure you are occasionally irritated at being me being like I watched this like paint dry yesterday dude and it was fucking just the coolest shit the color of the dog turd I've never quite seen any color represented that way in a feature film exactly dude like <laughs> that, that burnt auburn was the most burnt auburn I've ever seen yeah like my my like sla- slavish love of everything I see, but bird drive it drives bird batshit. I dig that too, though, man. Because yeah. that, that, I think between my my cynicism or pessimism or whatever the fuck it is, and my by being forty plus years old, <laughs> and my overt unbridled joy, we balance each other out really well. Yep. Yeah, there's a there's a middle ground. I like I like when we come to stuff like that because it shows. I was telling someone about wine the other day where there's two wines that we serve at the winery that I work at, and they're basically the same exact blend, Chardonnay forward, but one of them, all the varietals are aged in stainless steel, and the other are all aged in oak punchins. So you get to see, if you drink those two blends together in a flight, you get to see what stainless steel versus oak does as part of the winemaking process. Love that. And it's weird because very rarely do people like both equally. Usually there's like, oh, I I really didn't care that much for wine A, but wine B is just fucking amazing. I think that this is kind of what we're talking about right now for film. I, mm-hmm. you like, let's say you drink a a, a finely oaked, you know, Jarmish flick, and I mm-hmm. watch I watch a stainless steel Kubrick movie, you know, yep. and you. And then you like the oak notes. I like the stainless steel notes. Nobody's gonna like everything. This, 
I dig it. Yeah, me too, man. Fuck yeah. It's, this was and a- uh, I do love me a properly oaked uh, <laughs> Chardonnay. French oak. Oh, here we New go. New French oak, please. Here we go. Here we go. It's uh, level one Psalm Carl Hartley. Yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago. I t- <laughs> oh, um, he Carl got cut off again because his internet is dog shit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take us. I'm going to first hang up this call. I'm going to take us to the finish line. We talked about this beforehand. I'm not betraying Carl's trust by doing so. Um, so that was it. Thank you for listening, listeners. Uh, 1998's The Man in the Iron Mask. You, uh, I, we would love to hear your thoughts on this. If you want to drop us a line and tell us what you thought, drop us said line at measuringflixpodcast at gmail.com. Um, we, we recorded two episodes in one day, so we haven't gotten any responses back yet for Behind the Mask. I'm hoping that we got some because that was a fucking great conversation. But yeah, if you want to drop us a line, tell us what you think. Do you love this movie? Do you hate this movie? Um, do you like us? <laughs> Let us know. Drop us a line. Um, and if you want to support the show, if you want to, uh, if you want to give us a purpose and reason to keep having uh, in-depth conversations about silly movies like you just heard, you can head on over to Patreon.com/slash/QuillAndFilm. Q U I L L A N D F I lm that wraps up our um our mask series uh but we're about to start a new we're about to get back to a series over on patreon we're gonna get the uh when harry met michael episodes going again where carl and i watch uh, back and forth all of the harry potter films all of the halloween films and then talk about them uh we're like six deep in both of them and with no end in sight there's a lot of these these movies in these series um you also get uh full-length bonus episodes we've done all sorts of stuff princess bride is over there deadpool's over there none of it is currently paywalled so if you want to go and check those episodes out you don't need to be a patron if you decide to become a patron you also get shout outs on the show which go a little something like this carl and i would love to thank cynthia van may man i i gotta reach out and ask how to pronounce her last name i think it's mayanin mayanin it's got that it's got that like Kosky feel to it, you know. It's got that UP feel. Um, so we'd love to thank Cynthia Van Manen, Cassandra down in Florida, practicing witch. Totally awesome, <laughs> totally awesome. She's actually been pretty active over on the Patreon um, forums as well in the comments section, which is where you will often find William Rockwood and David Rowney shooting out to see who can have the craziest late night thoughts. Um, Sister Sarah Hartley. Uh, Kevin the K Ram Ramirez, Kelly and Mike Wagner, Casey Shibe. Uh He's not on the show, so I can shout this guy out. Carl Hartley supports the show. Bless him. We'd also like to thank Jeffrey Morgan, who hopefully we will have on the show fairly uh, shortly. He's a local filmmaker in Traverse City. He's made some pretty um, incredible shit. Actually, one of his films, I have a signed DVD copy of it, Folklore, which was his first motion picture made back when uh, when he was just a young buck. We'd also like to thank Daniele Hartelli, who will we, uh, Bird and I and Carl, and yeah, we're doing a little double date later today. I can't wait to see them. Uh, Brian Jackson, and finally... You know, you can't you can't ever go through a show without thanking the inimitable Connor Sweeney. Um, you know, what? I'm going to take this I'm going to take this moment cuz no one can stop me. Carl's not here to give me the eye or tap his wrist or whatever. The other day, I was hanging out at home. It's COVID times. I'm kind of bummed, you know, just chilling, just cooking, just cooking and thinking about movies. It was right after Carl and I had dropped the uh, Dark Knight Rises episode. And Oh, no, it was right after we dropped the Get Out episode because Connor had listened to the Get Out episode and called me, called me on the phone. Sometimes Connor will text me like 5,000 texts and then just call me before I have a chance to read any of them. And uh, the dude lifted my spirits, man. 
Like, I was having kind of a bummer evening, and Connor called me, and then we just talked movies for like an hour out of nowhere. And I'm pretty sure I startled him by screaming at him about how good The Dark Knight Rises is, because we had just finished recording that episode. And then we talked about Batman, and man, this is... This is the kind of shit you get as a as a patron of the show that for whatever reason our patrons have kind of ended up being this kind of loose conglomeration of like pseudo family which we really we really love. Um so anyway, we wanted to thank all of them. We'd like to thank all of you who are listening. Um thanks a bunch guys. We really appreciate it. Um we're going through like wild times, but we're going through them all together with a whole shitload of great movies to watch to keep us occupied while we wait for the world to quit ending. So, um, next month, we actually, I'm going to keep next month's theme under my hat. We have two Patreon episodes coming out this month that we have not recorded yet, but they're on the docket, and we're going to start catching up on August. Um, We have some pretty awesome, we've got the rest of the year planned out, Carl and I do now, takes us all the way through February of next year. Um, We've got some pretty wicked shit, dude. We threw all the rules out because it's pandemic and we're just gonna watch what the fuck we want to watch and uh, i think you guys are gonna really like what's coming up so stay tuned uh, we'll talk to you next week uh, much love stay safe stay healthy and uh...